I'm Alexis Dion. And I'm Chelsea. And we're the co-hosts of High Priority, a podcast where we ask industry experts the tough questions about the past, present, and future of the cannabis industry. So, Chelsea, I don't know if I told you, but when I went back to Chicago a couple of months ago, a few months ago at this point now, um, I ran into an old friend. Mm. Um, Shout out to Samantha. We used to work at Cision together. Cool. And she uh, introduced me to a young lady named Samara Galvez. And Samara and her, they went to college together. And the cool thing is this lady, she is an entrepreneur and a mom um, and is basically like breaking into the cannabis industry, like one step at a time. She actually owns her own smoke shop along with her co-owner, Rocio Mata. Uh-huh. And they're both awesome women of color. So Samara is Pakistani American and Rocio is Mexican American. And they're both just badass women dominating this industry. Awesome. What's the name of their smoke shop? Oh my gosh. It's cool. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Lungs with three Z's. Ooh. <laughs> I wonder why they named it that. That's cool. I like it. We have to ask them, but it's pretty yeah. dope, right? <laughs> yeah. So wait, how many That's- stores do they have or like where, like what part of the city in Chicago are they? Yeah, so they're actually in the burbs. Uh, funny enough, um, the first store that they opened is in Aurora, which is where I was born, a little suburb, oh. about an hour or so outside of Chicago. Cool. Um, and then they have another location, I believe, in Naperville. So Very cool. they are just like, you know, dominating it. But the another cool thing is, is that they don't actually, um, well, they started off as just like, co-owners of a smoke shop, right? So they didn't, it wasn't plant touching, right? They weren't selling cannabis or anything like that, but cannabis accessories and smoke accessories, right? So a lot of people forget that, oh, you can still be a part of the cannabis industry and not actually have to touch the plant. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think that's a great way to get into if you don't have like the time or the resources to go through that like awful licensing process too. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that this is kind of cool to just hear from their perspective mm-hmm. um, as women who you know are not touching the plant and as women of color in this industry. Yeah. And we all know that there are not a lot of women, period, in cannabis. Yeah. I mean, like we are lucky to be women of color in this industry and we are lucky to have a badass female CEO as our boss. But like, yes, it has really dawned on me that that's kind of like an anomaly Mm-hmm. Um, I like this year, MJ BizCon said that only 8% of CEOs in Oof. the industry are women, just like women, period, not even like women mm. of color, women, like that's already a pretty sad stat, honestly. Um, oh and then like 37% of C-suite also women, like, so we can only like assume that the minority makeup is lower, which is, well, I mean, that's very sad and pathetic. Uh, what can we do? What can we do to break down these barriers? Well, like, how can we break this glass ceiling? I mean, I'm, I'd am i be interested to see what um, Sumeria, Sumeria and um, Rocio say, but, mm-hmm. you know, 
what we can do on high priority is definitely elevate these women um, and yes. introduce them to our audience of wonderful listeners um, so they can go check out their business and, you know, support them online. I am so excited. I think this is going to be an interview that I think a lot of our listeners are really going to enjoy um, and just hearing, you know, the perspective of these women is going to be very unique and cool. So yeah, absolutely. let's just not even like prolong it. Yeah, let's jump in. So welcome, Samara and Rocio. It would be an understatement to say that both of you wear many hats in your life. You're serial entrepreneurs, mentors, and advocates in Illinois. So to get our listeners up to speed, can you tell us a little bit about your background, what prompted you to start your own cannabis business, and how you all went about doing it? Yeah, of course. So I'll start and then Rastia, you can go after if you like. Um, so I am 35 years old and I'm an immigrant to the state. So I came here when I was 10. Uh, so far from cannabis, like my country, there's none of that. It's all illegal. It's all against the rules. So, you know, I, I came here like any other immigrant. I went to school, I went to college, I graduated, and then I got a really good job. And I was like happy there, you know, making, I was in Fortune 500, making good money. Then I realized like this just isn't it. Like working for someone else is not something that interests me anymore. I'm just not really down with the people telling me what to do with my life. So from there, you know, like any other person, I was introduced to weed and it was mm -hmm. at a party in college. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like, I don't have a hangover the next day. I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> so I kind of just like really got into it from there, from my social smoking skills. And I graduated college. I worked a good job. And then my friend Rocio uh, let me know that she's opening a smoke shop. And I was like, what? That's so nice. Yes. Yes. I want to do this girl. But she also owns a parlor. So I'm like, dude, like she's badass for real. So uh -huh. I, I just asked, I was like, hey, I'm interested. Bring me in. So she actually brought me in as a consultant to help with the operations and some of the marketing that Dr. Lungs needed. And I just fell in love with the business and the networking we were doing and the people we were meeting. So I asked if I could invest and she brought me in as a partner and we opened our second shop together 50-50. Yes. <laughs> so like Samara said, um, me as well, I come from a family of immigrants. Um, I obviously was born here, but I was brought up from parents that always instilled in us, like, be your own boss. Like, ever since I was a kid, I just knew that I wanted to be my own boss. And at first, yeah, it was just my dad saw that I loved doing hair since a very young age. Mm -hmm. But obviously that after I did get my, you know, get my first salon um, in the place that uh, in the area that we were in, I, I knew that I wanted to be in another place. Um, a little more with a little more traffic, there's, you know, a lot of salons in every corner on the, in the area we were at at the moment. And I said, you know what, I want to relocate. I want to put my salon in another place, a little closer to um, another suburb, suburb that was a little more busy, which was Naperville, Oswego and all of those. Um, so we're like, what are we going to do with this place then? We still have it. And um, that's when me and my boyfriend came up with the idea of let's do a smoke shop. The area was perfect for it. And you know, we came up with the savvy name off the top of his, just literally, he's like, I'm gonna, I want to call it Dr. Lungs. I was like, I love it. Let's go for it. And so we did. And we did not expect the outcome. 
we went in blindly. And when we saw the progress, I did bring it up to Samara. And I know that she was, you know, all about business and she's so business oriented and intelligent. And when it comes to management, I, I, we, I needed that. So Mm -hmm. there's, that's where Samara came in and we opened up another shop and um, now we're going on to four and we're busy. We're still learning, but yeah, that in a nutshell is the story of how we started. That's impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so what role has cannabis played throughout your lives? I know Samara, you touched on, you like discovered it in college, but like, when did you guys realize like the business opportunities available in this space? For me, it was right out of college. Um, This might not sound, I don't know if it's appropriate to even bleep it out, but we were spending so much money with our dealer. We were dropping thousands of dollars (laughs) with him. And I was like, damn, I want to be a dealer. Like I don't make this money. It wasn't where the money at. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because I, he had like a, he has a full operation out of his apartment, you know, and he doesn't sell to underage people. So like that really just weighed heavy with me. Like he's really helping people. I've seen seniors walk out of his apartment because they were buying concentrates or bombs from him for their fibromyalgia mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? And I was like, wow, what a great field to be in where you get to help all these people naturally, not writing prescriptions, not overdosing. Like no one's dying from weed. But people are dying from medicine, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. in medicine, but I am pro natural medicine. So for me, this was like a home run. I needed to be involved. I want to be involved. And this is something I want to continue probably for the rest of my life. Uh, we're starting with the smoke shop, but we want we want to do a lot more in the cannabis industry than just a smoke shop at the moment, you know. So for me, Mm -hmm. it was a no brainer. I had to get involved with with something where I was helping people. It was lucrative. It was financially helping my family. And so that's that I was just set on it. I love that. And Rocio, same for you. What role has cannabis played throughout your life? And and how did you recognize the business opportunity? So, well, obviously growing up, you know, parties, you're around it. And just seeing how much money people really do spend on it, whether, you know, it was the habit or not, we've seen more of the medicinal side of it. Like I always was all about natural remedies, you know, I'm Mexican, so it's all about the natural. So, you know, when I, we were introduced to a lot of, um, you know, stories about what THC does for you, Mm -hmm. then we just, you know, thought, okay, well, you know, CBD was coming in people who aren't comfortable with the whole THC, you know, feeling CBD Mm -hmm. was the Thing. And that's where it kind of like started. We we're getting it out there and it was it was working and people were picking up the, you know, the topical stuff, creams and all of that that was just basically helping helping them with their aches and pains. Mm-hmm. And so after that, you know, then they are looking they are looking for more because they see that it works. And I did see like that it would eventually we always heard it was going to be legal one day. We just didn't know when. And as soon as we opened a year later, it was legalized in uh, the town that we first started in, which was Mm -hmm. Aurora. So after that, it was just, you know, it was booming. Like our business didn't, it didn't really affect us during the pandemic, but you know, so that was also, I mean, we were actually growing if that. That's amazing. And, And also shout out to Aurora. That's where I was born. Hey. I wasn't raised there, but I was born there. <laughs> but yes, it has a special, special part in my heart. Oh. But that's amazing. <laughs> 
as a, as one of my old college friends would say, it's the real A town. <laughs> oh, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> better move on. I know, right? <laughs> But also like uh, Samir, like just before like jumping into cannabis, I know that you started H&G Associates, a real estate investment firm that mentored people of color looking to build their generational wealth through real estate, which is amazing. From that experience, what would you identify as the primary barriers to building generational wealth today? Primary is lack of resources. Um, there's just so many resources that people of Mm -hmm. color are not exposed to, uh, some of it intentionally, some of it just not knowing, um, just, you know, sometimes ignorance isn't bliss. And I think we see that in our, in our, in our search for increasing generational wealth. I can't tell you, Alexis, you and I talked about this a little bit at the bar, but I can't tell Mm -hmm. you how many people that we're mentoring and that have, that are, that are in business with us that, that they didn't know they could apply for certain lower interest rate loans because they're in a mm. small market or a high risk market, you know? And it's little stuff like that what, that makes you think like, wow, what more do I not know? Like, why am I not the next biggest developer in Chicago? Is it just the money or is it the hidden resources for me? And I say mm-hmm. hidden loosely, meaning why either you don't know where to search for it or you just, you've never been taught to search in that li- linear pattern. Right. So for me, it's always been a lack of resources and and just a push for people of color to get out of the box that we've been put in. That's all my mentees. They just don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think many people are saying that cannabis can be like this catalyst for building generational wealth down the line. But of course, there is that issue of lack of resources. There are also so many systemic obstacles and regulatory Mm -hmm. obstacles. So do you believe that entrepreneurs are coming up against the same systemic obstacles compared to like mainstream, um, you know, industries or are there new ones due to like the nature of how this space is regulated? I think it's a little bit of both. So there is a lot of systemic systemic challenges from previous lives is what I call it. And then Mm -hmm. the new ones, right? So with cannabis, being legalized and if you think about it a lot of uh people of color have been involved with cannabis whether it was legally or illegally Mm -hmm. back in the day right Mm -hmm. and they got us to a point where is now well known and who's getting the licenses non-people of color Mm -hmm. who is getting pushed to the top of the list because they have a million dollars from mom and dad or their trust, non-people of color, right? So I think the former systemic challenges remain, um, but we have added new ones. Um, We also see a lot of uh, bidding happening on licenses and the highest bid gets a specific cannabis industry license to open a dispensary or start growing or whatnot. And you just don't see a lot of people of color in that category fighting for that because one, we don't have the money. Two, we didn't know this existed. And three, what do we do after? Once we've emptied out our savings account, now what? So there's not a Mm. full uh, business plan per se for anyone in cannabis industry unless you are in the majority, minority majority, which would be the non-people of color. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so... Those challenges, when you combine them with the previous ones, it's it just it, it's 
terrible sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Rocio, I know that you are very passionate about empowering your own staff. Um, so what kind of training and support do you provide your staff to like help them thrive in this industry? What do you think that, you know, other cannabis businesses or even regulators should provide to um, individuals to help them really like thrive here? Right. So what we do, like we do our homework as far as like events that are, you know, they have everything to do with uh, the cannabis, cannabis world or smoke shop world. So we when we hear about these events, we go and we offer our employees like, hey, you guys want more knowledge? There's going to be an event here. Um, expenses paid. And so a lot of them, they, they do. They do want to expand their their knowledge on all of it. And we want them to feel like obviously a part of the family, but we want them to feel like, listen, you can do this too. I mean, you can be part of the future. If we see their potential and we see their, their like push to be that best employee and they're giving us all of that, then I mean, we're going to take care of them as well. And that's what we, we want to do with our, our, our people. And so far we have a great team. So we're really happy with the way it's going and the way it's functioning Samara has a lot to do with it. Um, but yes, we, I mean, that is what one big part of it that we choose to do with our employees as far as giving them the knowledge and giving them the option to gain more knowledge on all of it, like with it opening a new store or, you know, any new product that comes in, they do the homework, they Google, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, prepare themselves so that when customers do come in, they know how to respond to them. They know how to, you know, they know how to sell, but also let them know, like, look, if this and this is happening with you, like get this, you know, like they just, they just know how to explain every product because they did the homework. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, Education is key. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I love my state, but Illinois has been in a lot of hot water lately for failing to deliver on their initial social equity licensing promises, right? So from what you're seeing and hearing in your own business community, what do you think regulators should be prioritizing as they try to rectify the situation? So I think they should be really focusing on providing better opportunities for anyone that is interested in the cannabis industry without a huge financial portfolio behind them because there's a lot of people who have a ton of knowledge who are really passionate about this but just don't have a million dollars to put up to get a license right so i think our regulators not only need to focus on adhering to their promises which they've clearly failed on and delayed on but also allowing a a different type of clientele to come in to this industry and take it to that next level Um, Because in all honesty, people of color have been pioneers in bringing cannabis Mm -hmm. to light. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people of color that are sitting in jail for having weed on them or whatever that may be. And that all needs to be changed with the regulators pushing for not only legalization, but allowing resources for people of color to do better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I guess also in from what you've seen in the conversations you've been a part of, do you think that the regulators like understand how urgent it is? And like if they don't, what can I don't know, even consumers, business owners, like what can like even like the common person do to light a fire under their asses? That's a really good question. And I, I want to I want to have the benefit of doubt for the regulators thinking that they understand it. But 
we've seen how slow their progress has been. So it does make you question the legitimacy of what they're doing and how quickly they're actually wanting to get it done. And I think what we can do on a consumer standpoint is continue to find your Dr. Lungs or your smaller dispensaries or your smaller groups of people who have some money and collaborate as a unit and perhaps mm-hmm. purchase something to make a dent in this market. And then you you kind of grow from there. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with Dr. Lungs. We knew, Rosu and I could not get a dispensary license right now. One, we don't have the financial means. And two, we have no knowledge on, we didn't have any knowledge on the resources. So now that we're slowly learning from the smoke shop world, we're seeing how imperative it is for people like Rosu and I to you know, go to these networking events and meet our legislators and meet our regulators and ask them questions like, when's this happening? What's the next step? And I think Mm -hmm. us getting in front of their face will make it a little bit more of a reality for them. Uh, And so, you know, I think that's that's where they need to focus. Thousand percent. Totally understand that. Um, And for our listeners who may not know, Dr. Long sells cannabis accessories, but not actual cannabis itself. So for those who want to start a similar venture, what would you say are the pros and cons of running a non-plant touching business? So that's a good one too, right? So Alexis, uh, I do have good news for you. Smoke shops have just been approved to sell <gasps> a legal amount of oh my THC. God. So we're <gasps> in the THC business. Oh my God. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. I know. Yeah. I was like, I have to tell Chelsea and Alexis this when we get on the phone. Rosie and I were talking about this prior to getting on. We're like, we got to tell them that we're allowed. Wait, to so them. are you saying that this is like breaking news and we yeah, like high priority yeah. just broke breaking the news? Awesome. Yes. yes. We were saving it for you. Amazing. Since it took amazing. you so long oh. to get here. Oh, wait a minute. I love it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Wait, so then like what? So what can you guys sell now? So we can sell what's called Delta 8 THC. Yeah. Right. Okay. The THC okay. that we smoke from the dispensary, yeah. the legal grade is THC nine, right? Delta nine. Yeah, yeah. And we can sell Delta eight, which is a very small number of it's it's like a point three to point four THC mm-hmm. limit within the other components that they put on this, right? Yeah. But the cool part is you don't need the full Delta nine because with our Delta eight, we can. Inc- incorporate terpenes now so with no tobacco and include a terpene include a cbd include a little bit of delta eight you're feeling high you're feeling great and this is a great option for someone who can't afford the dispensary life you know if you don't have a medical card in illinois you're paying 50 percent taxes on your purchase at a dispensary so you can walk over to the smoke shop and get the same gram for 35 dollars at the at a seven percent tax rate versus $120 at a dispensary, if that makes sense. So we're like starting to be the perfect entry point for connoisseurs or for people who may not be ready to make the full jump to a dispensary. We are like their middle point. And now instead of just being a great accessory shop, we're also an educational shop, right? We're educating that customer. And now once they like what they're buying, now they can transition to the dispensary and buy more of that stuff and know how to use it. Wow. That's That's really good to know. I mean, congrats guys. That's so amazing. Thank you. um, When you guys come back, you guys can announce that you're selling Delta nine at your own dispensary one day. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Give us two years. We got you. Yeah. We'll have you back on. We'll have a little. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Part two. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And as female business owners yourselves, what was, 
your experience of running Delta, uh, what was your experience running um, Dr. Lungs in the beginning? And like, what were kind of like the most rewarding and challenges, challenging parts of scaling your business so quickly? Rocio, do you want to start since you opened first? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, in the beginning, I mean, it, it was tough. Um, nobody, nobody was open to the idea of, you know, the CBD, let's, you know, to start with, because they didn't understand it. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, no, you know, that's weed. And, you know, so closing the door on that. But also with banks, I mean, banks yeah. would turn away. Loans were impossible. Um, and the processing companies, like we weren't even able to check out our customers with any processing company right. because they were just not, they were not having it. So, I mean, now, now it's a little more out there and we we do have a processing company that we're really happy with now. So things are flowing a lot better than they were in the beginning. So it was, it was a little harder, but um, yeah, it, it, it's getting a lot easier. So. And what, what has been the most rewarding part of really building this business from scratch? The most rewarding part is seeing how fast it grew and how many people love us and appreciate us and stick with us because, you know, there's, five more smoke shops down the street now from the first one that we started with. And, and now it's like, no, we're, we're going to go to you. If this place doesn't have it, we're, you know, they're, lo they're loyal customers are like we built a family. Mm -hmm. So we were, we're proud of that. We're proud of the fact that we did that and they're willing to stick with us. Even if sometimes we don't have whatever it is they're looking for, we always make sure that they do and that they come back. So um, we're happy. We're happy with the way um, that our, that our um, towns are giving back. So, and, and that they appreciate us. I would say the same. I think for me, it's like the educational piece. It's mm -hmm. like you can buy like the best weed from the dispensary that you can find. But if you don't know how to have fun with it when you get home, <laughs> what are you going to do? Just roll a blunt? That's boring sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> you just want to take a little hit. So let me show you what this percolator on this bong can do. And I think that's what that's what's the most rewarding for me is like showing people how to get the most out of their purchase and like truly enjoy it. Sometimes you don't want to mm. be laid out on the couch all day. Sometimes you just want a little pick me up, you know, let me show you uh -huh. how to do it. Yeah, I would say that like, I feel like most bud tenders I've talked to have not showed me how to use their like, you take this whenever, but like, they're not showing me how to have a good time. So that's really cool that you're, you're doing that. Yeah, it's like when you walk into an Apple store, they'll sell you a MacBook, but then you still need the accessories to make it yeah. look cool and make right. it function, you know? So yeah. that's where we like, come What's in. next? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I was actually going to ask you, like, what did you feel that was like missing from the smoke shop experience? But you kind of just touched on that. Is there anything else that you feel like, okay, like when we open up the smoke shop, we need to do X, Y, and Z to stand out? Yes. We, we want to be the chill spot. Like we want to be the chill hangout spot, almost like a bar, but not a bar. I don't know the equivalent word for it. You know, we'll make it up later, but oh, it's lounge. <laughs> yeah, consumption yeah, lounges, lounge, I think they're calling them. smoke lounge where, you know, the pandemic kind of hindered us from doing that because we can't have a lot of people sitting in the shop, but we have space, we have a couch, we have music, we have a sound bar, and we truly want people to come in and just chill with us. You don't even have to buy it. Let us show you how to use your, let us show you how to get the best out of your bud or your concentrate or whatever. And I think yeah. that's what's missing right now. And I think that has to do with the pandemic overall, not necessarily, you know, sure. the government. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Actually, Corona this time. Yes. <laughs> and who would you guys say is like, um, like your target customer? And like, what kind of experience can they really expect when they come to your store? We love working with newbies the most because they are the most engaging and they have so many questions and they kind of challenge you to know your own stuff, you know? They're like, oh, how do I, what do I do with this? Or what's this? You know, will this get me high? Will this have me effed up? And I, and I enjoy the new people the most because I feel like one, from a business standpoint, that's where the money is at because you can, you can really hook them up with what they need for like the whole year, you know, if they're a good customer. Um, but then I also love our return customers. And I think that's also one of our targets is getting into those users who come in frequently and showing them new stuff so that they're not just getting the same stuff over and over again. So teaching mm-hmm. them about new things. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I just... I just love it all. I love all the customers, even the grumpy ones, because, you know, they just need a little, you know, they're just upset because their weed ran out. So I just love the smoke shop business. I love the dispensary business because of the clientele. Everyone's so nice. <laughs> and some just want, they love the environment. They just want to go visit sometimes. And yeah. then they Snapchatting that they're there and then their five friends come and join. So we love it. We love everybody's energy most of the time. So yeah. <laughs> that's great I like how she had to make that caveat most of the time right yeah (laughs) so since since Dr. Lungs has been open have you noticed like a shift in your clientele demographic like are you are you seeing people that maybe you wouldn't have like expected would come in like what what has that been like police officers police oh okay interesting we have all walks oh wow they love smoke shops Oh, this is intriguing. Continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, Rosie, I know you were trying to say something, so I'll I say this and then you go. Me. But cops, the like police officers, you know, they scare the hell out of everyone when they walk in because they come in with their guns and their IDs uh, and badges. And I'm like, oh, we're getting shut down. But then <laughs> they're just like, so what, what's new that you got? And they'll buy the Delta 8 and they'll buy the nicotine vapes, you know, and they'll wow. buy them. And they're like our number one, not number one, but they're one of our top entering and favorite customers because everyone's so afraid of them, but it kind of puts you in a humbling position that they're also human and they're consuming and who am I to judge? Who am I to report them? But cops, they've been an interesting interesting hmm. clientele we have that is quite interesting i would have never thought that but yeah. uh okay good to yeah. know cops yeah. want to get their smoke on too yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> they buy these blunts i don't know what they're doing with it so what you do with it is your fault problem uh, <laughs> as long as they're not planting evidence it's all good mm. correct <laughs> we have cameras everywhere they got to go after the purchase. good <laughs> Um, as cannabis consumption gains more mainstream traction, what do you all have planned in terms of the long-term growth of your brand? Are you all thinking about venturing more into like different like areas? Um, cause I know like you guys are in Aurora, Naperville. So are you guys like branching out more location wise? Like what, what do you see next? Yeah, we, we're actually, um, Start actually opening up a new one as well out in Chicago in the city. So that will be our Ooh. first like city, city a smoke shop. And hopefully nice. maybe next time uh will be like the next state, you know. So yeah, I mean we we are we are trying to be like 
my boyfriend always jokes like, oh, we need to be the, ne- the next T-Mobile. And, and that's what it, or the next <laughs> and like we're on every, you know, town, every uh-huh. corner. So, I mean, that's what our goal is ultimately to just to be everywhere. So mm-hmm. that's cool. And is Chicago this year or next year? This year. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Hopefully yeah. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. Before the end of the year, we have three locations coming in. We have Montgomery, then we have uh, another Aurora location, and then Chicago. Mm-hmm. So three That's more impressive. Companies. Yeah, thank you. But we do, we are trying to get into the actual plant touching business. Um, we don't see ourselves as being a dispensary, though. We are trying mm-hmm. to get into buying land and growing. Um, we've been networking with a lot nice. of growers out in Michigan, in California, and we're learning the business from literally ground up, from the seeds to the planting to the watering to the cutting you name it, that's what we've been learning. We're traveling out to these different states. We're spending a week at a time with these growers to really learn the business and what makes it great. And that's where we're wanting to head is buy some land and start growing our own and supplying. I love that. That's such a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> women yeah. cultivators, women of yeah. color cultivators. Shout out. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing. I'd buy that. <laughs> yeah. um, so clearly you have thought through all of your business plans, you've been very successful. Um, so for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there who are listening today, what is one piece of advice they should keep in mind before taking the leap and opening their own cannabis business, plant touching or not? I think it's okay. To, oh, sorry, Rochelle, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say for me, the biggest advice as an immigrant was it's okay to have your nine to five support your dreams until mm-hmm. you get to a point of not needing a nine to five mm-hmm. and whether you're going into the industry or a smoke shop whatever I still consider that an industry I you know take that leap of faith do it ask ask other people of color who are in the business for help mm-hmm. I think um I think that's something that's very much frowned upon in certain uh, demographic, asking for help, not, you know, not fully knowing something. And my advice is ask, you know, join Facebook groups. If, you, if there isn't one that caters to you, create one and people will join it. And that's what I've been doing. I've joined a crap ton of weed legalization and smoke shop Facebook groups. And I'm just learning, getting so much knowledge from these people people reading their stories and I can ask for help there and these people don't know me so they're you know they're still helping and I think that's my number one advice is to not let the finances deter you from pursuing your passion Uh and then reach out to someone and if you don't know someone ask the internet is tremendous like you can get anything from there same with you yeah same I mean I know I think everyone's stuck in a bubble and you know and it is until they they see the success of someone who who made it who did it and or who's doing it Mm -hmm. then they're oh my god how did you do this and you know we're there we're there to let them know like you can do it as well I mean you just got to push yourself you got to believe it first and foremost you have to really believe that if that is what you want and you have the ambition inside of you to be successful then you're gonna do it you're gonna find the doors you're gonna Try your best to, when you do get there, market yourself and you have to go out there and talk to the people and let them know that you're here and you're trying, you know, to, to be successful. And and it takes a lot of hard work, but that Mm -hmm. I feel that is the main thing. You have to have that mindset and push yourself because if you just sit there waiting for a pot of gold, it's, it's not going to happen. So that's what I would say. 
go after what you want. I love that. Perfect. And I think we've seen from our own jobs, um, working with so many clients that it is so collaborative, really unlike any other industry, like we're all building a new space and it's important for everyone to work together to make sure we get across that finish line. Absolutely. Well, now that we have completed the serious part of the interview, uh, we are now at the fun part, my favorite. All right. So this is what we call I Got Five, where we ask some really fun questions. So for both of you, Indica or Sativa? Sativa for me. (laughs) Okay. Rocio says Sativa. Indica. Indica. Yeah. Wow, you guys are on two opposite sides yeah. of the plant. <laughs> she's already she's naturally laid back, and I'm naturally anxious, so I'm just like, I need to calm down. Oh, <laughs> I see. Okay, that <laughs> makes total sense. Want, yeah. Maybe that's the secret to a good business partnership. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yin and Yang. Yeah. What do you guys? What's your favorite? Ooh. Chelsea, what's yours? I used to be a sativa girl, but now that I have gotten older and can't sleep, I'm fully on board with indica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's good. Good. I think I'm like more indica, but I actually, I kind of, I'm kind of digging like hybrids now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like hybrids as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so flower, edible, or concentrate? Flower. Flower. Flower power, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you do run a smoke shop, so that makes sense. There's something so satisfying about grinding like, and right. <laughs> grinding and rolling. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And shout out to my colleague Renee for teaching me how to roll, even though I still suck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we can send you some rolling machines, Alexis, from Dr. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. Women helping women. I love it. Okay, next question. If you had to choose one slang term to use for cannabis for the rest of your life, which one would it be? I like pot because it's super hippie and it's where like the original <laughs> words came pot, doobie. <laughs> well, I haven't heard doobie in a while. Yeah. I know. Right? Doobie's exactly. A town old school for real. <laughs> yeah, that's really old school. <laughs> uh, for me, Bud. Bud is just my favorite. Um, you know, I think of weed as my friend. He's my bud. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. What up, Bud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question. If you could smoke with any celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be and what um and why? Mine is Snoop Dogg for sure. Of course. OG. Gonna have sure. Right. <laughs> uh mine's just the weekend because he's so handsome. He's so sexy and he's oh, the only celebrity my husband has allowed me to put on the list. So <laughs> You're like, all right, I'm not going to upset hubby. So, all right, the weekend. (laughs) The weekend it is. (laughs) I love it. Okay, last question. If you could own your own special brand of weed, which, of course, is eventually going to happen because you guys are going to be cultivators, what would you name it and why? Go ahead, Samara. Oh, mine's (laughs) going to be the (laughs) G-Spot. Ooh. I love it. And it's going to be uh, sativa dominant with a little bit of indica in there. Ooh. So it's a hybrid, but more on the sativa scale, you know, and just all the kind of 
fun that you want to have with it. <laughs> Take yeah. my money now. Here you go. <laughs> Are you guys taking investors? Absolutely. Yeah. I have an idea. I want to sell it in like a pink container with some cool psychedelics yeah. on there, you know. Just oh yeah. my god. Girl, you gotta go trademark that up. I know. Like, like now. Like, like, like right, like, like right now. Oh. Like get off the podcast yeah. and just go and do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Can you help me? Thanks. And it, it will go well because next to Samara I'd be mine would be euphoric. So you know, the unexplainable Ooh. and yeah. We'll both be high as a kite next to each other. (laughs) Yes, euphoric in the G spot. All right. Just, I'm going to empty out my 401k. Here you guys go. I'm I'm ready. Sell some stocks. I don't need them. That's all we needed. We just needed two investors. We're done. Let's go. (laughs) Good to go. Let's just do this. That is incredible. I love that. (laughs) Well, this has been amazing. You all are so much fun. Um, And before we leave, we really want to make sure that our listeners are able to connect with you guys if they they would like to. So can you give us like the best contact? Like how can our listeners get in, 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 in contact with you guys? So for both of us, it would be the same if they're reaching out for Dr. Lungs related or business related inquiries. They can email Dr. Lungs with three Z's, napier at gmail.com. Or they can call 630-946-3996. Or they can find us on any social media platform and message us there. And we try to respond back within a couple hours. Oh, I was wondering, why did you guys pick three Zs at the end? Is there a (laughs) specific... Dr. Lungs. Yeah. (laughs) Knock out when you smoke. Ah, exactly. Love it. just seemed appropriate so yeah yeah because the whole the whole thing was to help people enjoy weed right and most people take it or used it back then to sleep or anxiety mm-hmm. and the three z's is what you commonly see when a cartoon is sleeping mm-hmm. so you're like that's what right. we're doing i love it. yeah it's right. well now that our listeners can remember <laughs> that it is dr lungs with three z's <laughs> to help you Pass the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to High Priority. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to Antoine Dry, Donald Edwards, and Jim Pryor from Dirty Soap Entertainment for our intro music. To learn more about our show and parent company, Matteo Communications, head on over to our website at matteo.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-O.com.